Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 75, Group Management. Recorded Thursday, December 3rd of 2015, with your hosts, Grant and Peter. Welcome to Saving the Game, I'm Grant. And I'm Peter. And I'm sick. Yeah, yeah, uh, you sounded a bit. <laughs> we, we've had it going around the house for like a week and a half. Daughter had like a 103 degree fever for four days, and then my wife and I both have pink eye, and it's just, bleh, it's awful. <laughs> it's just full of mucus and general malaise over there, huh? Yes, exactly. Uh, as a result, we had a, a pretty intense topic planned out tonight, and I have just been so sick I have not been able to properly research it and put it together. Another part of our Historical Heresy series. Hopefully that'll come in the next couple of episodes. I don't want to let that linger too long. But, but you never in, know. Its, in its stead, we have something else that we've kind of been meaning to do for a while, and it seems appropriate with the holidays coming up. Yeah, This is going to be um, about... Well, group management. Exactly. Now, before we get into that, I want to remind everyone, we are still fundraising for the Bodana Group. Yes, we are. If you're not familiar with the Bodana Group, go out to thebodanagroup.org, find a link in our show notes. You'll see if you go out to stgcast.org, a link over in the right saying, hey, we're fundraising for them. That'll also link to episode 25, where we did an interview with Jack Birkenstock, the executive director of the Bodana Group. The Bodana Group is a nonprofit that uses tabletop RPGs for cognitive therapy applications for children who are victims of sexual abuse or perpetrators of sexual abuse to help treat that and help recover from that. Uh, they also work with a few other types of groups to um, help with compassion fatigue and that sort of thing. A really good group of people. Um, that interview we had a lot of great conversation with Jack, and he really did a good job laying out what they do and kind of how and why. And they are very much worth supporting. Um, we really should get Jack on again sometime. You know, I'm hoping to as soon as he uh, has some... Some time available? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we've got a bunch of stuff that, you know, we're trying to do as well. But here's hoping. Yeah. But yeah, so definitely check that out, and if you've got anything to donate this holiday season, they're a great, very needy charity that can really do a lot of good in the sort of thing that we care about. Yep. Yeah, this is, what, our third year of raising funds for them? So Yes, yes it is. We've been doing this for four holiday seasons, Grant. I know. Because we had a different charity the first year out. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's kind of terrifying how long this has been going on. <laughs> but hey, when When will the it. madness stop? Yeah. <laughs> And the answer is hopefully never. So, listen, four year, three and a half years is a long time in podcasting. So I'm, I'm yeah, pretty we're pleased. we're grizzled old veterans at this point. Well, grizzled anyway. I'm definitely working on old too. Uh, you and me both. <laughs> I hear it happens. Happens yeah. with time. Yep. All right. One other thing, real quick. I want to thank. Just want to take a minute and thank everybody who has appeared as a guest host the past three years, three and a half years. Um, there have been a lot of them. All of the people who've come on our show have been fantastic, and I just want to take a second and thank them for coming on, and I want to thank our listeners, too. We really could not do this show without you. You're fantastic. Yeah. You help us keep going, and... You suggest interesting topics, you yeah, encourage it... us and interact with us on a 
fairly regular basis, we really do have wonderful listeners, and it's always a pleasure to interact with you folks. It is, so thank you. Yeah. All right, let's get into our scripture. I'm going to go ahead and grab Proverbs here. Go for it. This is Proverbs 13, verse 4. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. All right, and then we have Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So, um, it's the holidays. Yeah, it is definitely the holidays. And holidays are awful on gaming groups a lot of the time. Uh, They're the worst. You can expect about a three to five week break from gaming during the holidays unless you're all, really unless you're all part of the same family, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Perhaps you know, teenagers, but probably family members. Yeah, and that three to five week break is just murder on games. It's terrible. Yeah, because you lose all sense of continuity, you lose all of your momentum, you know, you start to forget some of the salient things that were going on in the game or that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So, And I think one underrated thing that happens to games often is somebody gets a new book for Christmas and they're super excited about it. Oh yeah, the new shiny is is, uh, definitely a thing. Yep. Um, So what we wanted to talk about for this episode was kind of ways to help manage a group, not necessarily specifically talking about hiatuses, although we'll certainly cover that. But generally, the person who's managing the whole group, because there's always one and it's almost always the GM, ways to help that process along. And the first important piece of this is setting expectations for the gaming group when you pull it together and start a game or start a series of games. This has to happen really at the start. You know, how often are we going to meet? What are expectations for attendance? Do we, you know, are we trying to be flexible? Are we trying to really make sure everybody's there every week? How long is a typical session going to be? What kind of, uh, you know, how much of a time commitment is there going to be between sessions for outside of gaming stuff? Um, what will you need to bring is the expectation if we're all meeting in the physical location that we're going to eat a meal together every time we get together to game. I mean, just basic fundamental stuff like that. The answers to those questions, there's no right or wrong answer, but all of those will change the way that it feels when you're in the gaming group. And it will also somewhat contribute to how easy it is to keep the group together over time. Yeah. And it's important to be honest about these things. If you say, hey, I'll be there every week, and you're there three quarters of the time, that can be frustrating. If you say, listen, you know, I've got a a job that makes me work late some nights, or I've got, you know, this thing that's going to come up sometimes, or I've got three kids and I'm prone to catching every single bug they bring home from school. Because they're little disease incubators and that happens. (laughs) Exactly. You know, you say, listen, I, I can't promise I'll be there every time. You know, let's set up a game that's flexible. If you do that, That creates trust. If people are willing to trust the rest of the group, that makes everything else we're going to talk about here a lot easier because there's no resentment and there's no sense of, well, we'll see what really comes out of this. Yeah, I mean, it it is okay to, to not treat gaming like a job. I mean, our gaming group wouldn't function if we had to do that. We've got yeah. four adults, you know, three of whom are parents. It's It would be nuts to, like, demand everybody be available for eight hours every Sunday. We couldn't do it. Right. But that worked just fine when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. You know, when you have time and no money. Yes. And now we just have no time and no money. So Yes, exactly. (laughs) The other piece of this is buy-in. Most of the time, buy-in is about a game. 
you know, I, I'm really bought into this particular game that we're playing. But I think there's a buy-in that has to happen for the whole group, and that's just kind of what I was hinting at when talking about trust. Each player needs to be excited about the prospect of sitting down and gaming with the other people at the table. Maybe not every single person. I mean, there are personality conflicts all the time. I understand that. But if somebody starts just resenting the idea of going to the game, or if somebody's just not interested in playing with the rest of the group, you're going to lose that buy-in at a, at a fundamental group level. And the sad thing is, is you will probably lose some people who aren't the one who isn't bought in, too. Because right. it that sort of thing is is toxic. It tends to kind of permeate the group and sap everybody's kind of willingness to be there. Yeah. Now, I understand that not everybody can get together a group of perfect friends to game with. We are kind of lucky that way. We are a little lucky. You know, especially if you're doing uh, pickup gaming or, hey, we're the only folks in the area, let's get together for a game. I get it. Just be aware that that buy-in, somebody's got to really encourage buy-in at the table. Often, again, it's the GM. This may be as simple as, hey, let's meet up for pizza before we actually start the game. And maybe, you know, it's just the first couple of times. It's, hey, let's meet up for dinner ahead of time and, you know, talk and get to know each other. Creating that that sense of being people familiar with each other and not just characters who show up at a table, I yeah, think helps a lot. It, it really does, because I've been in that latter circumstance where the only thing that anybody at the table had in common was the game, and it just didn't work. No, it, it doesn't work because there's, there's no emotional connection to the other players, and so there's no sense of responsibility to them. And I think that really hurts. Well, it's the exact same dynamic you get when you go into a brand new job and you don't know anybody there. You know, you're kind of cagey. You're really cautious about your interactions with everybody and stuff until you get a feel for things. Well, in a gaming situation, a lot of the time, by the time you get a feel for things, the game's already dead. So you want to start yeah. getting to know each other, you know, as as much as possible, as consistently as possible and as early as possible. Yeah. So that's kind of some intro stuff. Let's talk about ways to actually manage a group. And this is, as much as anything else, kind of a project management issue. And, and I know that sounds silly, but an ongoing game is a project. It's great, and you love doing it, but at the same time, it's a recurring thing that has to happen, has to go off well, and where you've got multiple people who you are responsible to as the GM and as other players. So there are a lot of different tools used for this. The most basic one, honestly, is just email. Communicate with the group. Say, hey, we've got a game coming up. Be prepared for it. Or, hey, here's everything you need for this session. Hey, I'm not going to be there. Go on without me. Or, you know, have my character do this. As long as there's communication, that's yeah, important. Yeah, I mean, even here's, you know, here's some setting files that you need to look over for this. Right. Or, you know, here's the character sheet. Or, you know, it's... Yeah. Email is, email is shockingly useful for a modern gaming group. And there are other things. You know, we could do the same thing with Facebook Messenger or Google Hangout Chat or a forum, an IRC channel, you name it. I say email simply because having a searchable record that persists is often important. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, necessarily go flexible. to the yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go to the extent of setting up a whole separate email address for gaming. No, although I know plenty of folks who have for particular games, 
for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I mean, if you want to have like an in-character email address or something like that, by all means. Well, or, hey, this is the one I use to keep the game that I'm running separate from my primary email. You know, there, there are lots of different reasons for it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we're all on social media these days. Any sort of group or an event planning functionality that you have on social media is helpful. One thing that's worked really well for Grant and me, if I can cut in for just a second here, yeah. we're we're in a couple of different gaming groups, and there's a decent amount of overlap between them. But if you create a separate, like, secret private group for each subgroup in there, it helps to keep things straight. Grant and I were doing an L5R game with one member of our primary gaming group, and we created a separate group for that yeah. game. And you could very easily do this. Um, we did it on Facebook. You could do it on Google+. Plus. There are others. I don't know. Does Ello have it? <laughs> you got yeah. me. Is Ello I, still a thing? Yeah, I signed up for Ello and haven't checked it since. So Yeah, exactly. But, you know, th there's plenty of things like that. The nice thing about Facebook and Google, for all that we kind of make fun of Google Plus sometimes for not quite being Facebook, its integration with most smartphones is very good. So if you're in a community, you know, you can get updates on posts and more importantly, you can set up events that go on everybody's calendar. Facebook does the same thing. So, you know, the GM says, hey, we're gaming at this time. Here's all the information. And that goes on everybody's calendar. It's there on their phone, or they get it in their email, what have you. So that works particularly well, because then you can't say, oh, I didn't get the message about it. It's right there. It's a posted event that everybody's familiar with. And of course, it's a centralized location where you can dump data and everybody and can in keep jokes. track of it. Let's, let's be honest, dump lots and lots of in-jokes. Yeah, and you know what? Humor is an underrated part of group management. If you can kind of keep some humor going and keep communication going that's jokes about the game, not just the game itself, I think you get a lot of mileage out of the whole group because everybody's kind of having fun and is engaged in it. Yeah, I think I think humor is a really nice social glue. You can get a lot further, I think, keeping a group together if they feel like they're allowed to joke around and be a little goofy with each other, especially at times when they're not in character, than yeah. if they have to treat it, like I said earlier, like another job where, you know, it's like, well, no, this is a very serious thing and we're all very, you know, we're all taking this very seriously. And uh, yeah, that if you have to take it seriously all the time, you know, if you got that guy who's really hard on everyone about it in the group, it just it kills the fun. Yeah. And ultimately, we're doing this because we enjoy it. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about kind of the idea of catharsis on this show all the time. Yeah, about once an episode or so. Yeah, joking about the game, especially if it's a very tense, serious game, is a way to kind of blow off that steam so that it doesn't happen at the table. Yeah. I'm glad you thought this was a good point, because I was pretty sure that was the Dayquil talking. No, no, that's, that talking a very, that's a very good point. Um, online calendars, even if you're not tying it into social media, something like Google Calendar or Apple's calendar thing, I could actually set up an exchange-like calendar on our website if I wanted to. You know, if somebody's got a website somewhere, you can do that. It's kind of silly because there are plenty of other options, but you can do it. It works. Well, and I think this is another time where it's like, there's um, there's a, I think this is a military phrase, if it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. Right. You know, whatever works for your group is fine. Just if it's working well, it's not stupid for you guys. It might not be typical, but it's fine. 
Right. Just be consistent, right? Yeah. That's that's the main thing. Yeah, you don't want stuff scattered all over four separate social networks and email and everything else. Nobody will be able to find anything. Exactly. Another tool that I like I think a lot of people like the idea of, but that I don't think works well for most groups is a wiki. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I've tried to set up wikis for games before. It's such an insidious, tempting thing, too, because it seems yeah. like it would be so cool. Yeah, look, here's this big database of everything you need to know, but the problem is not everyone's going to update it. So one person ends up running it, maybe two, and it's a lot of work to update something like that. Yeah, I mean, even, okay, let's let's say that somehow you got a wiki that was telepathic and formatted everything correctly, which none of them do. <laughs> No. <laughs> Formatting no. is a big part of putting anything into a wiki, but let's let's say for a moment that it would auto-format everything. You, somebody came up with this awesome new algorithm or something. You still have to type all of that stuff in. You have it's to sit there and remember everything that happened. You have to figure out what needs to go in the wiki and what doesn't. And it's like, at that point, you are essentially writing a campaign book, like a setting book, like you'll find on a gaming shelf for your own campaign. Which, if you've got the time, dedication, and skills to do that, is fantastic, but it is that much work. And here's the thing. That same idea of having all of the information at our fingertips, you get with email or post to a Facebook or Google or whatever group. And it's much more natural. Yeah, and it's just, it's all there. It's in the same place everyone's going. Wiki formatting, again, that's a, a whole mess, and it's easy to get bogged down in. There are some organizational advantages, but I think the overall time cost and effort cost is just too high for a wiki. Especially since you can get a very similar thing with, like, a Dropbox folder or a Google Drive folder. Or uh, Microsoft has a similar thing, like OneDrive? Yeah, I know it used to be it used to be SkyDrive. I think it's OneDrive now. I think it's OneDrive now, but you can do the same sort of thing. Basically, any sort of cloud storage, you just dump documents and photos in, and that's most of it. I think having some place for documents is important, especially if it's like here are custom rules or here's uh character sheet PDFs, you know, something like that where everybody can kind of reference that stuff. That's nice, but I think a wiki is just not really the way to go. If you do go with that, get just get like a Wikispaces or Wikia account or or something like that. You don't need to try and stand up Wiki software somewhere. Yeah. Um, any of the free stuff works just fine and is a lot less to manage. There aren't any securities issues you have to deal with. I'm speaking from experience here. Just use the free online stuff. Don't try and set up your own unless you're, I mean, unless you're running EVE Online. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my point. Well, and the other thing is, all of this is subject to your own, you know, preferences and skill levels. If you're all professional web content creators and a wiki is no big deal to you, go nuts. Right. Although at that point, you may have other options. Yeah. You very well may. Now, stuff that involves a wiki that I think is pretty popular, campaign management tools. Obsidian Portal's the big player here, but there are others. These are pretty nice. I've used them before. It's a wiki, but also a place for character sheets and rules and just general organization. It's kind of an all-in-one. Yeah, and it's set up specifically with gaming in mind. This is not using something developed by Microsoft or Google or Facebook as more of a general social group management kind of a thing that you would also use for a knitting group or a group of people that like to work on their cars. 
It is specifically set up with the concerns of a gaming group in mind. In my experience, it's a little bit of overkill, but if you have a really kind of deep, intensive game, this thing would probably be fantastic. It also works well if you've got a very, very crunchy game because it includes a lot of tracking that you just wouldn't find everywhere. Yeah, if you're using GURPS or Pathfinder or something, I can see this would be fantastic. Yeah, like Obsidian Portal has adventure logs and character logs and item trackers and maps and all this other cool stuff. It has a forum built in. Now, the big downside here is that for most of these, you have to have a paid account. These are not free tools. You you know, players get it for free, but somebody generally has to have a paid account in order to access all of the features. Um, for example, you have to have a paid account to set up a calendar in Obsidian Portal. Right. And you can only have so many campaigns going at once without a paid account, that sort of thing. So just be aware that that is a problem. If you're willing to pay for it and that works for you, it does have the really big advantage of having everything in one place. Yeah. And that cannot be overstated for some groups. This is where I go for information about my game. Well, and the user interface is pretty good, and so it's a nice solution. Just be prepared to pay for it. Right. One other thing I wanted to mention, and this is um, just generally useful, Trello and Todoist. These are online task management and project management tools. Todoist is more of a task list. Uh, You can collaborate with people on it. This is not so much about scheduling as it is, hey, I need these things from all of the players. And it works very well. I've used it very successfully for just kind of personal task management. Yeah. Or along those lines, if you're the GM, it's like, okay, so for next week, I need stats for the dragon they're going to uh, encounter, the skeletons from this other encounter. I need to know what the agenda of the Merchant's Guild is, and I need to know how heavy the cargo and the dirigible that they're going to be taking there is for some reason. Right, and I need a, I need to make sure I have the map drawn. Yeah, and then you can just kind of make sure you've got all of your prep work that you know you're going to need finished just in time to have your players go shooting off in a different direction and not use any of it anyways, but hey, that's part of the fun of gaming. So Exactly. Along similar lines, Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O dot com, Um, This is more of a project management tool. It's pretty nice. It's well-suited to Kanban-style boards, uh, but you can have projects with a lot of notes and separate boards for things. You could easily set up something wiki-like and move things from board to board as things progress. It's very flexible, probably worth looking at. Again, if you can guarantee that all of your players will look at it. Even if you don't, though, You know, it's not a bad tool to have as a GM, just, you know, in terms of planning. This is that thing that uh, the one member of our gaming group showed us, isn't it? I'd forgotten about this thing. it works very well. Yeah. Yep. It's very similar to um, really any sort of agile framework for project planning. It's pretty nice. All right. So we've kind of talked about tools. Let's talk about some common problems that you encounter when you're trying to manage a group. The first of these, I think, is the most important, and this is the new player. Yeah. Um, In addition to the usual decent human behavior thing, so make them feel welcome, let their actions carry weight in the game, don't hand them a level 1 character in a campaign full of level 10 characters or something, you know, just that kind of decent humanity sort of thing. Right, don't be a jerk. Yeah. You should also um, probably have them come in with a PC that is instantly going to be trustworthy for some reason, and that reason is going to depend on your game world. 
and also have a built-in reason to already be tied to the main storyline, and bonus points if you can tie them directly to another one of the existing player characters, even better. Right. And even outside of the game, taking some time to make sure that they feel welcome as a person is a big deal. You got a new person? That's a great excuse to go get lunch or dinner together. Take some time in the game to, you know, introduce everybody, learn about that person, talk to them, find commonalities with them. Don't do the, hey, we've got a new person, sit down and let's start playing, you know, tell us about your character. It's tell us about you, the person, and then tell us about your character. Yeah. And this goes back to what we were saying about buy-in at the beginning. If you get the person more integrated into the gaming group's social circle, they will slide into the game itself much more comfortably and much more quickly than they would otherwise. Right. Um, next big problem for a lot of groups is attendance. We've talked about this a little bit already, but if you've got attendance problems that you know about ahead of time... One, one real quick note before we dig into this. This is only going to get worse as you get older. Adult uh, yes. lives are murder on regular gaming schedules. Yeah, I mean, unless you're a group of retirees in a nursing home, life gets complicated. Sorry, yeah. it does. And in totally unexpected ways. And it, it seems to start happening when you're about 24, and it will not stop yeah. ever until you're retired. Pretty much. And maybe not even then. Who knows? Um, you've got to be flexible. I mean, our group has a standing rule of if you can't be there, cool. Don't worry about it. And if too many people cancel, like, you know, if two out of the three players cancel or two of the four total, it's just, all right, we're just going to call it. Don't worry about it this week. Yeah. Or, hey, can we do it tomorrow? Okay. Yeah, can we push it back a day? Okay. Well, let's try that. Now, it helps that we're playing online instead of in person. Sure. So there's no travel time. But And the other thing that we also then, do is a lot of the time it's like, okay, you know, so-and-so can't make it. Do you want to just play some magic online or something you know we'll yeah or just hang out you know right or in a perfect world hey do you want to you know have so and so run something else our group we don't really do that well with four people if you lose one you've lost 25 percent of the group it's yeah it it's tough it's hard to run anything major with only three people total yeah. now in larger groups it may be that well you know we've lost one player out of six or seven it's not really fair to these other six to not do the game, so let's move forward. But if that's the case, you've got to be aware that that person's going to need to catch up next time, and you've got to find a way to seamlessly get that player, that character in and out of the game. Um, and it may be that sometimes those characters just are kind of backgrounded. Plenty of other podcasts have talked about this for a long time. There are so many solutions to it, I almost don't even want to go into it here, because we're talking more about players than characters. Yeah, one thing I will say, though... If you've got somebody who has a really erratic work schedule or just has like an army of children or, you know, has a an aging relative with chronic health issues or is really wants to participate but is going to be in and out in an unpredictable or and or regular fashion, account for that in character creation. Have them play something that can drop in and out of the game at a moment's notice. Yeah. What that is will vary depending on your campaign world and stuff, but there is some way to do it. Yes, there absolutely is. Speaking of, hiatuses are a big problem uh, for a lot of groups. And this is kind of what we were talking about with holidays, where we're just going to have to take a couple of weeks to not game. When you know that you're coming up on a hiatus in the game, set a time to reconvene the game before the end of the last session, before the hiatus. 
right? All right, guys, we're going to ha- take a couple of weeks break, and then we will have our next game on this date and time. Yeah, and try to stick to that as much as you possibly can, even if it's just a check-in. Yeah, keeping in touch, again, that human connection. Uh, if it's a Christmas thing, send your group a Merry Christmas. Write them Christmas cards or send them a, a Facebook post or tweet at them or whatever, and just say, hey, Merry Christmas, looking forward to con- you know seeing you again such and such time. It's that reminder that we're still going to do this thing, but it's also acknowledging the reason for the hiatus. You know, if someone's having a baby or something, send them a, a congratulatory card or something. You know, again, it's the human that we're interested in. It's the player. Stay in touch with them. You're hanging out with this person once a week or once every two weeks. Yeah, you might as well be their friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, or if not a friend, at least, you know, at least be as nice to them as you would a coworker. Yeah. You know? If at all possible, doing things with them is a good idea. You know, video games, board games, whatever. I realize that's not the case for every gaming group. If you're the, hey, we're just meeting to game and we don't know each other outside of that kind of group, that's cool. Don't worry about it. But if you aren't, if you are friends in real life, you know, try and game with each other a little bit, even if it's not the game. Yeah, I mean, you can, you know, play a round of whatever multiplayer video game you can get into that you both like or... You know, sit down and play a board game with them or something. Yeah, anything it, like it, that. It helps keep that connection to this is a person that I do my hobby stuff with kind of alive in both of your minds. And hey, it's fun. So yeah. why not? Related to the hiatus is the transition between games. Going from game to game is a natural point where hiatuses can happen and those then turn into, oh, yeah, we're totally going to game at some point, And then, oh, yeah, the whole thing's falling apart. It happens. Yeah. Um, most of the same rules apply. Yeah, you want to wrap up the old game if you can. If you really can't, if it's one of those things where it's like, this game is ending because everybody has lost interest or the GM has run out of gas or had a a life thing that has made it so that it's impossible to game, or at least it's impossible to run a game, that's okay. Just acknowledge that and move on. Don't just, and that was the last session and we never spoke of it again. Just yeah. Acknowledge the situation, do what you can to manage it, and then kind of go from there. Move on. Yes, exactly. One other thing that has been done for me a couple of times is if the setting is complex with unanswered questions, and you're the GM, and you've got some of those answers in your mind, and you know you're not going to be coming back to this campaign, go ahead and let people satisfy their curiosity about stuff. I've always thought it was kind of juvenile when... You hear about, you know, a campaign that ended and, well, we never get to find out about this stuff because the GM won't tell us because, we you know, you either find out in play or you don't find out at all. Right. Come on. And we're adults, I think, you know. Well, I think there's always that hope that we're, we'll pick it back up someday. Well, you can pick up the same setting, but after, you know, the events of the last game or in a different part of the world or something. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I understand the emotional attachment to that idea, but you're right. I mean... If you're realistic about it, you're probably... The game died for a reason. Yeah. And I mean, the reason may have had nothing to do with the game itself, but the odds of getting back to it with the way that New Shiny works with gamers is pretty low. So let people satisfy their curiosity. Yeah. I mean, how many different games do we have on our plate right now? How many games you got in your head right now, Grant? I don't know. A couple. Yeah. Same here. But apparently I'm not allowed to GM for a while because you guys are having too much fun, you know, with my starky character, so. You know what? It is entirely your fault that your player character is awesome and we like hanging out with him. 
Okay, if you know you, what? If you I'll hadn't take made the a guy that was so cool, you would probably be GMing again already, but you did this to yourself, so... Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else have we got in here? Well, the, I think the other thing is location, and this is part of group management. I'm a little out of the loop on this, I'll be honest with you. It's been a long time since I gamed in person. Everything has been online for a while. Yeah. But if you're going over to somebody's house or someplace that's kind of a common ground, go ahead and plan it out ahead of time. If you're hosting, be nice, clean up. I mean, we often talk about the responsibilities of players for whoever's hosting. The host also has some responsibility. Clean up the area that you're going to game in. Don't be a slob. Do the dishes, that kind of also, thing. Also, don't make the GM host all the time unless they really, really want to. Right. I mean, And, if... and that may depend, because it may be that the GM is really big into props and maps and that sort of thing, and he doesn't want to lug them around in the car where they might get broken. Yeah, or That's the GM cool. may need Fine. to consult a small library of reference material like I did for the 3.5 game I ran years ago. I mean, right. I didn't want to load 27 books into a car. I would rather sure. just reach over to the bookshelf and grab the one I needed. Of course. But at the same time, don't expect the GM to host. No. And a lot of it really depends on geography. If there's somebody central for everyone, they probably do need to host, or you need to have that kind of as the primary and maybe, you know, meet at other places other times. If you if there's nobody obviously central, then kind of doing a round robin thing might work. Again, this is going to depend, but have expectations that are reasonable for everyone. It's also going to depend on what kind of space everybody has available. I remember a previous gaming group where there were a bunch of us that were kind of just getting started out, so we had small apartments and stuff, and one of the guys was a bit older and had, you know, a great big dining room table and stuff that we could sit around. Well, that sure. person hosted, <laughs> and that was just kind of and, how it you worked. know, I would probably do that right now. I've got a nice dining room table that I inherited from my parents, because they got a new one, and they're like, hey, do you want one? And I was like, yes, because ours is garbage and falling apart. So I have this nice big dining room table now, which is great. Does anybody ever actually buy their own dining table under the age of 50? Uh, yes. But it's not very common, it seems like. I actually bought one. Oh, did you? And, okay. Yeah, and we didn't have room for it in the apartment we found, so we gave it to family. So, oh, you know. There you go. But yes, we bought a very nice one. Having said that, one other thing to watch out for, allergies. If you've got pets especially, just be aware that allergies may factor in. Yeah. I'll be honest, that's about all I've got on the topic. Most of it is just staying in touch with people, communicating clearly, setting expectations, and being a decent human being. Yeah. There's responsibility on both sides. If somebody is not living up to those expectations, talk to them. Often people don't realize that they're being a jerk. And if you say, hey, this isn't working, you're being a jerk, you know, do it in a way that doesn't cause them to get defensive. Yeah, you may not want to use that specific phrasing. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. But talk to them and say, look, you know, we, we've got expectations for this game, you're not living up to it, and we want you to stay part of the group, so what can we do to make that work? You know, something along those lines. Most of the time people will go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was being this rude, let me fix that. And that'll solve it. And ultimately, not every person is a good fit for every group, you know? Yeah, Sometimes the person that, that's a little awkward happen. in your group might be fantastic in another one, or if you're the awkward one, maybe it's t just time to see if you can find some people that you are able to game with better. I mean, 
our group is spread out over two different time zones in three different states, but we game together really well, so it's worth it. You know, yeah. And I've been in groups where I felt really kind of awkward and like the outsider and stuff, and I don't with our current one. So Right. But it also took us a long while to get that group set up. Yeah, I mean, what, our youngest person is probably you, I think, and you're over 30, so... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we've got. Uh, sorry for kind of a, a short episode, and I hope everything makes sense. Again, I don't know what the Dayquil is going to make me say. I think Peter would probably call me out if I said something truly ridiculous, Oh yeah, you never know. Oh, believe me, I got your back there, buddy. Okay, so. good. Thanks for listening. If you have a minute, rate us and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, RPGpodcast.com, Google Play Podcasts, if that ever gets off the ground. Wherever you happen to hear us, rate and review us and share us out to everybody who you think would like to listen to us. Uh, for all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. Later, folks. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.